Hello, and welcome to another podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. My name's Greg. I'm one of the pastors here. And today I'm joined by my friend and fellow pastor, Will Vakurovich, or as some of you call him, Will Vakurovich. <laughs> Will, it's good to see you, man. Good to see you too. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing great. Yeah. Yeah. 2019, new you, new year. New I did year, it new backwards, me. but you knew what I meant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's good to have you on today, Will. Um, before we kind of jump into our series, we're going to continue talking about Love Walked Among Us. But first, Will, tell us a little bit more about you and what you do around Redemption Tempe. Yeah, I um, am pastor of local and global engagement. So I help to oversee all of our city outreach groups and global partnerships. Um, I help John Crawford out with DNA. And he needs a lot of help. That's that right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, married to Aaron, who helps to lead our redemption, foster care and adoption ministry and have two boys, Will and Micah. What's up, boys? Now they have to listen because we said hi to them. This is their favorite podcast by far. Uh, I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's the only podcast they probably listen to as well. But that means it's their favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, right. Dude, it's, uh, it's good to have you on here. Uh, I'm always glad. We, we had you on in December as well. And we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, if you're listening and you heard Will talk about city outreach groups uh, and the global partnerships, and you're like, what is that? Well, don't worry. We're going to talk more about that. It actually fits really, really well into what we're talking about overall um, this week in our Love Walked Among Us series. So um, we've mentioned this in the podcast here. This is, I believe, if I'm relying on my memory. Uh, it's our third week now of, of kind of talking about Love Walked Among Us. Um, we did the intro of the overall series. And, and this series is really looking at, uh, it's, it's actually from a marketing perspective, it's really clearly named uh, Love Walked Among Us or Jesus walked among us. So we are taking the time throughout this series to look, uh, at different stories of Jesus in, uh, and throughout the gospels. And we're seeing Jesus for, um, what he does, what he feels, how he responds to people. Uh, because what we know is that Jesus is God and God is love. And so therefore Jesus is the tangible expression of love. And that's what he calls us to do. He calls us to love God and love our neighbors. And so, um, really the heart of this series is understanding that Jesus is love. Uh, what does it look like tangibly to, to live this life of love as Jesus did? So, uh, we can pretty easily breeze past parts of scripture where, um, where uh, really we were supposed to slow down, you know, where, where Jesus slows down and he stops and he feels and he sees, um, and he looks at people. And, and so we're looking at different stories where he's doing those, those sort of things, uh, throughout the Love Walked Among Us series. Uh, and, and it follows, a few big movements overall. So first, and what we're in right now is, is love shows compassion. Uh, and next we'll talk about how love speaks truth. And then we'll move to love depends on God. Love is energized by faith and love moves through death into life. Uh, so the, the sort of movement or the block that we're in right now is love shows compassion. And specifically we are talking about, um, how judging blocks compassion. It's chapter three in the book, if you've read the book, but specifically we're looking at John chapter nine verses one through 41. It's this, this story of the man born blind. Uh, and if you've, if you read it or you're familiar with it, uh, you heard this past Sunday, essentially there's this, um, this man who, who was born blind out, uh, and, and the disciples are asking Jesus, you know, who sinned to make him blind? Was it, did he sin? Was it his parents? So they're basically asking, you know, they know that sin, uh, has consequences. And there was a belief at this time that, um, things like 
blindness or, or different disabilities or, or things like that were direct, uh, were directly caused by sins of either the people who suffered from them or the people uh, or their parents typically. And Jesus responds to them and he basically says neither. He, he's blind to, so that God can show um, his love and in, in a miraculous way. And we, we know through that story that um, Jesus heals the man's blindness. So it's interesting because I think we can look at this story, right, Will, and, and, and think like, oh, man, that was a backwards time where we would think, uh, where they would think like, uh, oh, why is this man blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? But we really do that kind of still today, right? There's still some modern examples, uh, I think, of us kind of having this sort of posture mm-hmm. today. Sure. Uh, so tell me more about that. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah, I think a couple examples. One would be how um, some people would view poverty as though poverty equals laziness or specifically homelessness. You know, why don't, why don't people just get a job? Um, why don't they stop, you know, doing whatever's causing this homelessness, just get a job, get to work and pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Uh, you know, the, another term for that would be they are sinning, Mm. right? They're lazy. They're not taking initiative. They're not, um, doing the things that they need to do. Like it's an either or choice of Mm -hmm. going to choose to be homeless. Um, and, and so many times that's just not, actually the case. Um, I had worked just one example. I had worked with uh, a man when I ran a homeless shelter in Mesa who uh, had worked really, really hard for most of his life. He was in construction and had an accident at his construction site. Um, he had an injury to his leg, went in, um, they tried physical therapy and some other things that didn't work. And the doctors realized they needed surgery. And the doctor actually made a mistake and did the surgery on the wrong leg wow. and caused much more damage. And through that, he was prescribed by a doctor, um, opioids for, for his pain and started taking them as prescribed and the pain increased and started taking them not as prescribed. Uh, and his life just kind of spiraled out of control from, you know, a simple fall at a work site. Now he has this injury where he can't literally can't work. There's so much pain. And because he followed his started to follow his doctor's orders and then, you know, took it too far. He, he has this addiction and, you know, is, is there sin in there? Yeah. He's, he's choosing to do those things, but there's other factors at play than just this man is choosing to be a lazy homeless guy on the corner. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. And I think, um, I think for a lot of us, uh, myself included at times, I think sometimes we just, um, we want to go for the really easy black or white answer. Uh, we can put labels on things because it helps us to move on with our day because there's so many things for us to be, um, digesting throughout our day, especially these days with how easy it is to get this sort of fire hydrant of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, scientifically the way God made us is, is to be able to, um, make quick decisions on certain things and sort of move on. Otherwise we would be bogged down with like what cereal am I going to eat today? Uh, but that can go too far. And I think one of the, the roots of what Jesus, what we're seeing, uh, with Jesus being love and reacting here, uh, is, and really even the example that we're seeing through the disciples quick sort of attempt to label, Oh, who was the sinner? Was it, was it this man who was born blind or his parents 
is the sort of core or kernel of truth here that compassion takes time and energy. Uh, and sometimes it kind of depends. We can kind of all come from this different angles, but what was, uh, uh, ironic and somewhat embarrassing to admit, I was listening to the audiobook refreshing my memory on this particular chapter of love walked among us. And I, I was headed towards Tempe marketplace and there was a man on the corner with a sign. And I was, uh, in that sort of socially awkward position where I was the first car at the light. So I'm like right next to him. And I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to look at him. And I wasn't really thinking about it. I think that that for a lot of people can be a pretty normal, it could be awkward if you, it can feel awkward at times. If you're, if you're looking at the person, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was listening to this chapter, light turns green. I turn left. Uh, and so Paul Miller, who's the author of this book is also the one who's, who reads the audiobook, And he gets to the part in this chapter where, uh, he's, he's talking about that exact situation and how we can feel really awkward when there's people on the corner who have signs asking for money. Um, and, and not even talking about like not arguing one way or the other, should you give money or should you not? It's really the point of, you can look at them. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. You're not committing to react every time what you're doing is you're, um, you are acknowledging their humanity. Like you're acknowledging that you are a human being. Um, and, and even that act alone could be a compassionate act. Absolutely. There was uh, actually a study that came out, uh, in California, maybe 10 years ago that, um, was asking people on the streets experiencing homelessness, what's the hardest part of, of being homeless? And every, you know, the researchers kind of assumed like, well, being homeless, like not having sure. a house. Uh, what the answer, the number one answer across the board was being ignored. Hmm. Um, there was extreme, they talked about extreme isolation, you know, people moving their kids away from them when they walked past them or just, you know, you know, somebody is aware that you're there, but they're consciously looking away from you as though you don't exist. You're physically no longer a person. Mm -hmm. um, they said there was, there was actually trauma that people experienced from that kind of hyper uh, ignoring of, um, you know, that diminishing of, of their value as a person. And it wasn't, you know, we wanted everyone to give us 20 bucks. It was like, Hey, look at us, acknowledge us, say hi. You know, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out conversation, but just an acknowledgement of their humanity. For sure. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like on the flip side, just like we're, we're not trying to put easy answers to anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, the reality even on this is that it's complicated, right? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to have a long-term, we're not saying like, Oh, have a long-term conversation with every single person you ever see on the corner of the street. Or, right. um, there are times where you can feel, uh, one way or the other. And, and, uh, you know, maybe you move your kids to the side because the person is acting erratic, or maybe we just acknowledge them and, and just say hello. I mean, it's, there's no easy, quick fix here. And that's not the point. That's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is it's complicated. And there are certain areas of our life that we should probably think about pushing into complexities mm -hmm. rather than just being okay with quick fixes or easy answers. Uh, and I think that that's kind of, uh, one of the, at the heart potentially of, of where Jesus is headed here. Uh, and, and really the point of this chapter is that the act of judging blocks compassion. So we can't be compassionate. We can't really push into complexities if we stop, if we put a period at the end of, of judging. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where this chapter is headed in general. Uh, and there are definitely modern, modern examples of that still to this day that we, that we deal with. And the truth here is that 
Um, growing more in Christ-like means growing in compassion. And the truth is that compassion does take time and energy. Uh, and there are areas of our life where I think it would be our prayer that uh, we continue to grow and are convicted in areas where maybe we do need to take more time and energy to be compassionate. And that God would sort of pull on our heartstrings um, to push into areas where we need to push into complexity uh, and not just give quick answers of who sinned, uh, this man or his parents. So Will, if we're moving past judgment toward compassion, uh, and that's kind of where this chapter is headed, um, how do we do this? Uh, And we, as in us listening to this podcast, us as Redemption Tempe, what are some ways that people can be doing this in our congregation? Sure. Our city outreach groups are uh, one of the best ways to do this. We have the With Collective, which meets uh, every third Thursday here. And this is in partnership with Tempe's iHelp program. iHelp stands for uh, Interfaith Homeless Emergency Lodging Program. So the concept is Tempe doesn't have a physical structure that's a shelter for people experiencing homelessness. Um, Instead, they have a mobile uh, group that kind of oversees a network of churches who have committed to opening their doors at least, you know, one night a month. Uh, We do it weekly, um, but we host this meal uh, for people experiencing homelessness on the third Thursday at five o'clock. And you can sign up online. Folks can uh, bring food to share. Uh, The reason we call it the with collective is really what we're pushing towards. And that's sharing a meal with. So it's not just standing on one side of the table, serving food to, to the guests, but it's actually grabbing a plate yourself, sitting down next to them and just sharing a conversation. Uh, Another opportunity is the Rio Vista center. We, we partner with them and host a free farmer's market every other Saturday. And this is for anyone in the community who just needs a little extra help with food. They can show up, um, grab some bags and collect produce that's been donated by local grocery stores. Um, all of the food is, is really good, uh, really healthy. Um, it's, it may not be pretty enough for us to buy in stores, but it's still definitely edible, safe to eat. Uh, and so we have a group that shows up, they set up the the farmer's market, they help distribute food. They walk people around and chat with them. Um, they pray with them, play with their kids, you know, hang out. It's, it's a great experience there. Um, we have other opportunities as well with redemption, foster care and adoption. I know they have an orientation coming up. Greg, you know the date of that. Yeah. So the date for the foster care and adoption orientation is January 23rd, uh, next Wednesday. So that's a great opportunity to, um, come show up and find out about ways you can uh, help contribute and support uh, redemption, foster care and adoption. This may mean that you and your family have decided to become foster parents or adoptive parents. Uh, But for a lot of people, we realize that that's not necessarily what they're ready for is because of stage of life or different reasons. And so there are other opportunities. Um, There are support groups that you can help um, that you can help with. There are uh, people who pray, pray for prayer needs of foster and adoptive parents, people who just make simple phone calls, once a month and ask what prayer requests are there. Um, there's a whole host of opportunities with foster care and adoption. And that's definitely, uh, especially as we think through not only the kids in the foster care system, but their bio families, uh, a group that can very easily be judged and um, and have compassion withheld. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of lots of ways to get involved. Those are some of the the main ones to highlight with our city outreach groups. Yeah, that's good. And, and so you mentioned the Rio Vista Center uh, and that 
actually, we were talking about this before the recording. There's a, a really good story from uh, our volunteer team of this idea of judging blocks compassion. So tell me more about that st- or tell me that story. Yeah, this was a convicting one. Uh, so, so they're hosting this uh, free farmers market and, you know, to kind of set the scene, people will show up early because they know that there's really good food that they can get for free. And, and, you know, you see people kind of from all different walks of life. And about halfway through one Saturday, this, this woman pulls up in a a very nice Bentley. Mm. And and I don't know about you, Greg, but that's a little bit out of my price range. You don't have two of them. No, I don't have two of them. No, no. Uh, Next year, maybe. Yeah. So this woman pulls up in a Bentley and automatically everyone's like, what is she doing here? You're driving a Bentley. Clearly you don't need, you know, a free grocery bag of produce. Um, the judging was strong. Yeah. So thankfully, one of the volunteers actually took some time to, to chat with this lady and, and hear her story. And as she shared her story, we quickly realized that, no, this woman did need to be here. Her husband had just left her for a significantly younger woman, mm. um, had taken the house, all of the assets. And this woman was left with a few changes of clothes and this car. That was all she owned, um, you know, all she had in her name. And so at that point, she was living in her car and trying to figure out, do I sell the car? You know, what do I do? How do I make sense of this? But we quickly realized that this woman was actually in need of help. And and just because we saw the brand of the car she drove, you know, we were, we were the ones at fault. We were the ones in sin who were judging her and our assumption of her situation before taking the time to stop, to see her, um, to hear her story and, and, and to respond with compassion. Mm, yeah. That's powerful. Well, so yeah, so you mentioned these groups, um, and one thing I guess maybe structurally we should say, since I've got you on the podcast is these used to be called up until January of this year, mission collectives. We've now changed the name of these to, to be a little bit more direct, uh, more clear of exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of people who ask about, um, you know, I want to serve in the church, but what are we doing to serve our city and to serve, uh, globally? Like how are we partnering with people around the world? And so we, we changed uh, to those terms. So we've got, we've got our, city outreach groups, uh, in the Genesis or like the history of those, um, and how we have how we've come to have the groups that we currently have. And even some of the groups that are, that are coming here in the next few months are all a result of our asset based community development, um, project that we did a couple of years ago. Now, mm-hmm. can you tell me the quick, uh, elevator pitch uh, about that? What was that project and, and how is it informing our decisions about city outre- outreach groups? Sure. So Jesus commands us to love our neighbors. And we realized if we don't know who our neighbors are, chances are we probably are not loving them well. Sure. So we wanted to take some time to actually get to know the city of Tempe. Um, what are its strengths? What are the assets within the city? What are the ways that God is moving? And and we realize that some of the ways that God is moving is, is through local churches, the faith-based community. God's doing incredible things and displaying his kingdom through his people. But also, if we think through the lens of common grace, God is doing incredibly restorative work through city officials, through city programs through local nonprofits and businesses, through ASU, through all of these um, vibrant things that are going on within our community. So we had a group of volunteers who just took time to interview folks and ask them, what's great about Tempe? What's mm. going well? What are um, things that you're proud of? Uh, one of the fa- our group's favorite questions was, if a Hollywood producer were to make a movie about your neighborhood, what story do you think they should tell? Mm. And, and we heard some incredible responses there. So from that, we got to hear about 
about the strengths and the assets of our city. And just inherently in those conversations, some of the areas of deficiency came up as well. Um, coincidentally, uh, or by providence, uh, the city of Tempe was also conducting a needs assessment at the same time. So while we were trying to identify mainly the strengths and assets, they were looking at what, what are areas of need. Um, and we, our ABCD group and the city of Tempe came up with uh, almost identical demographics for the areas of need. Hmm. The five that we're focusing on that we have in commonality are um, youth, elderly, people experiencing homelessness, people with disabilities, and the working poor. Mm. Um, there is an additional group that the city came up with, and that's uh, survivors of domestic violence. Mm. But we realize that those are really difficult um, agencies for volunteers to get connected with because sure. of high levels of confidentiality. So we figure five was enough for us yeah. to, to attempt to tackle. Um, but that's really has set the course for how we're moving forward in, in um, serving and responding to the needs of our city because we realize it would not be uh, fair or just for us to decide how we're going to move forward. We should actually ask the city and the people who live in our city, uh, what are the areas of needs that they identify and then take their lead uh, much in the ways, you know, we see Jesus ask, what can I do for you? How can I heal you? Um, you know, what, what do you want from me? Jesus asks the people and gives them the dignity to identify their needs before he comes in and responds. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and so those are our city outreach groups. Those are different ways that we're identifying locally. We also have some, uh, what we are calling our global partnerships. And that's the bigger area where people are asking things like, how do I, I'd like to go on a missions trip, or I'd like to travel abroad and, and do ministry abroad, that sort of thing. Um, and our philosophy behind that is really, uh, I want you to, to tell us a little bit more, but it's essentially, we believe that similar how we really know our neighbors well, and we are getting to know our neighbors well here in Tempe. We believe that that's that's probably the case with anywhere that we're going to go. So we've identified um, some places in East Asia that we've got some pa partnerships with, uh, and then we're building some new uh, partnerships in Guatemala. Could you tell us a little bit more about the, the philosophy behind global partnerships and a little bit more about um, what those might look like moving forward? I know some details are still being formed, but but for people listening today, you know, what does that look like moving forward? Sure. The philosophy behind... Um we try to mirror what we value here uh, as redemption as well. And so we understand that the gospel, number one, is holistic, um, that God is concerned with, with saving individuals. And God is also concerned with seeing um, justice carried out. God's also concerned with seeing physical restoration and healing. And, and so things like clean drinking water are really important. Uh, God's concerned with healthy and flourishing cities. And so things like education, care for the vulnerable, care for the elderly. Elderly. All of these things are important. And these are areas that we try to press into um, here, not just at Redemption Tempe, but across Redemption um, throughout the state. And so we want to see that value in our global partnerships as well. Um, similarly to how Redemption is structured, you know, we believe that leaders at Redemption Tempe know and love Tempe and uh, have a better chance of contextualizing the gospel for Tempe than people in Gilbert or, or um, Arcadia or Alhambra or wherever else, that there's a local contextualization of the gospel uh, that should happen by God's people who are in that specific place. And so we want to be very mindful that we don't um, impose our views you know, on, on 
Guatemala, for example, but that Guatemalan leaders who have grown up in the country and know and love the country, they have insight that we don't have as people who have grown up apart from that culture. And so indigenous leadership is incredibly important in these partnerships. Uh, and then we also believe in the strength of the local church. Um, God moves through his people in specific places at specific times. And so we want to make sure that the partnerships that we have have strong connections to the local church um, in, in the cities in which they're serving. And so that's kind of the framework that we use as we move forward with these partnerships. And we are uh, in the process of planning a couple trips uh, to Guatemala, God willing, this year. Um, one will be with Champions in Action. Similarly, similarly, you can't got speak. It. I got it. To the trip that we took last year, uh, soccer camp for for kids in the the Renz, red zones neighborhoods. And this is a phrase, red zone neighborhoods, that you'll hear us talk about in regards to Guatemala. It's identified by um, the country as uh, areas that have low income, high rates of crime, violence, drug use, um, and gang activity. And so these are some of the most difficult neighborhoods um, for the families living there uh, and for churches to to um, break into. So uh, what Champions in Action does is take kids from those neighborhoods, pair them with local mentors from the same neighborhoods who love Jesus uh, and want to serve and do a, a soccer camp and soccer league with them throughout the year. So when we go in the summer, this is kind of the first experience with the coaches and the kids getting to know each other. And we just host this big soccer camp and tournament. Uh, and, and it's a blast. Uh, additionally, we'll be partnering with a neighborhood called La Limonada. Um, and there are currently four um, academies there. And what they mean by academies is think kind of a holistic before and after school program, tutoring program, health clinic, uh, functional church on Sundays, Bible studies throughout the week, community center that is run by um, primarily a woman named Tita who has loved and served that community for about 15 years uh, and just trying to provide a space for the spirit to break in. The neighborhood's called La Limonada or Lemonade because it's, it's one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city and it's built on two sides of a ravine and in the middle of the ravine there is uh, just an open kind of creek where the sewage from the city runs through. So Man. yeah, it, it's a, it's a pretty, um, it's an incredible place. It's incredible to see the poverty and brokenness and simultaneous. It's, it's incredible to see the ways that, um, the kingdom is just breaking through mm. in this community. Sounds great. So we have a lot of ways uh, and a lot of things that are, a lot of seeds, I suppose you could say, that are being planted uh, in ways that we're loving our city, loving our neighbors directly, uh, and and even growing some really great partnerships around the world. So um, thank you, Will, for your leadership in that. Thank you for for your team. That You have a lot of really, really strong leaders, uh, men and women that are really helping us get this stuff up and moving. That's been really great to see. In terms of um, this idea, judging blocks compassion. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be our prayer for ourselves. Uh, and then also for those of, of, of you listening that we'd be able to just push into this area. Uh, it'd be really easy to just say, all right, I'm not going to judge anymore, but that's, it, it's easy to say that it's not realistic to say that. Sure. Uh, instead, I, I hope that, uh, being able to read with fresh eyes, this, this passage that we would be able to have the ability to really take notice when we are, when we fall into this sort of really quick to judge state and instead, uh, 
by God's grace, have the ability to push into um, understanding, hope, and, and eventually compassion uh, for those areas that that we'd be able to be convicted where we need to be convicted uh, and really be able to slow down and take the time to have the energy and uh, and resources and ability to, to take the time to have compassion in the areas where God's calling us, not only individually, but corporately as a church as well. So uh, that's really good. I really appreciate your efforts, uh, Will, in our church and, and that of your team. Thanks, Craig. Of course. And I thank you for listening. Uh, this has been another podcast of Redemption Tempe, where we believe that all of life is all for Jesus. Jesus.